everybody, it's me, Jade, and you're listening to On Their Way, the Titans of Tomorrow Today. This episode is special not simply because the guests themselves are, but also because they're two of them. Today, it's all about Signed Venus creators Serena Rahal and Reese Patterson. Now, if you don't know about Signed Venus, you gotta get on the hype train because it's a good show. It nimbly captures the beach aesthetic while staying consistent with its themes and characterizations, and the world building lends itself to the dreamy pastel quality the story emits. It's just a neat show that's really easy to like, but don't take my word for it. We're going to be playing the trailer in a few seconds so you can judge for yourself. But before we do that, I want to remind you of two things. Transcripts can be found at our website, wgcproductions.com, and I want you to remember that this is a WGC production. that your first destination is Arabella, but it's not on your way. It's the first destination the writer went to. It's sacred. <laughs> oh, how excited are you? On a scale of one to ten. A billion! I thought the waters at Coast Venus were clear. This is... That's something else. Visitors. Of course. You're Captain Valeria, right? Of the Ultramarine? Yup. That's me. And that's her. The Ultramarine. Sentimentality is a virtue of ours. It is ingrained in our people. I'm sure such a thoughtful gift will cheer her right up. One of the most important people we have to meet is in Arabella. Who was this person? Uh, no one knows, actually. Signed Venus, Part 1. Listen on May 27. Do you two know anything? Serena Hall is the co-creator and co-writer of the audio drama podcast, Sign Venus, a story about two people who go on a road trip to uncover the identity of an anonymous traveling writer. Serena is also the voice of Mira on Sign Venus and Nima on Moonbase Later Out. Reese Patterson is the co-creator, co-writer, and voice of Zeline on Sign Venus. Reese also runs Paramore, a soap and candle shop with a pop culture twist. Hey, 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 how are you guys? Doing well. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're doing well, Beast. Uh, Serena, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having us on your show. You're welcome. I'm glad that you guys are here. Okay, so I'm going to launch into this interview with the very first question I ask quite literally every single person who comes on this show. Where do you guys come from and where are your roots? Okay, I can go first. I am Palestinian and I'm currently living in London, Ontario, which is in Canada. I did live in Jordan for four years as well with family who were living there. I think all of these places are pretty formative for me. And um, I am from Montgomery, Alabama, born and raised, haven't lived outside of the state, and Alabama is uh, very important to me. All right, Alabama. Well, I I love another Southerner, and yeah, okay, so cool (laughs) stuff. Okay, so I just want to know, in you guys' own words, what exactly is it that you do? Okay, sure, I can go. Do you mean on the podcast? Yeah, on the podcast. Unless you feel like you want to give a more expansive answer. Was just curious. Okay, um, yeah, so we created Sign Venus together. Um, (laughs) So it was a lot of, like, coming up with the concept, a lot of planning. Yeah, I think that what we we do a lot of uh, just kind of, like, mapping out different concepts, uh, what needs to happen when and where, what the themes are in the story. And then obviously there's the actual script writing, um, Mm -hmm. which we've been doing not so much a lot of that lately, but a lot of editing for the scripts that we've written. Um, So just kind of actually laying down these ideas into something solid and then going back and reading over it a million times and changing it and fixing it until it is at a level we would consider to be satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> we also uh, 
direct we have a really awesome cast um they're super flexible super wonderful to work with just that's probably my favorite part just working with our cast we do asynchronous recordings for the most part which gives us a lot of chances to really work with each actor directly and it's just it's great (laughs) all right cool and could and could you just sort of explain to our audience what exactly it is that sign venus is about like in a nutshell what makes the story special etc so sign venus is like you said a little bit earlier it's a story about two people who go on a road trip trying to uncover the identity of a mysterious traveling writer and so I think Sign Venus is about a lot of different things, but one of those things is about like fandom and autism. Hayden is autistic and very focused on the identity of the writer because the series that they wrote is Hayden's special interest. It's also about sort of relationships and travel and what you call home and narratives, you know, all those good things. Okay, so then that answer leads me to to want to say a couple of things. One, we're definitely going to get into the themes of Sign Venus because that's like one of my favorite parts of the show. It's just like the stuff that it explores because I don't see that a lot necessarily in in media, like especially when it comes to the the active fandom and parasocial parasocial relationships. So we'll one get to that. But before we do that, I wanted to ask both of you where exactly did the show come from? Because it's a really unique interesting look like you said at fandom and parasocial relationships and uh and like special interests of autistic people and all that jazz and and it has such a specific feel and tone like when I listen to it I see pastels and yet like there's a so- certain <laughs> darkness looking underneath it which can kind of be seen in episode three <laughs> at the end of part, part one so like I wanted to know like how did you come up with this interesting and unique concept okay so uh we both use Pinterest um for character ideas and concepts um And I had a bunch of Pinterest boards for original characters that I had really nowhere to put them. I didn't have a story for them. Mm -hmm. And I think using Pinterest, like, we use Pinterest for the show, and it's uh, really, really helpful. And I think that that really brings forward, like, the kinds of, like, the pastel vibes, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because since it's so visual in our planning and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, so (laughs) I had um, these OC boards and I didn't know what to do with them. And we had just finished listening to Wolf 359, which is my favorite thing ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I was like, I would like a, I I would like to do a podcast. (laughs) And we were like, yeah, sure. Okay. And so that's where the, like original origins and I wanted it to be a road trip podcast and that's uh and then it built up built up from there and Sarita you can continue (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think the fact that we had we had created these mood boards before we got started was a huge part in shaping like the tone and aesthetic of the show um a lot of our ideas sprung pretty much directly from just collaging different kinds of images together based on stuff that we find cool and stuff that we find interesting. I think thematically, um, it kind of springs a lot from just what we tend to be interested in. Reese and I are both autistic, so we're kind of naturally inclined to wanting to read about and write about autistic characters. And I think that, uh, for me anyway, um, these sort of questions about, like, you know, where are the lines between reality and fiction and how solid are those lines exactly? That's something that me and I know Reese as well, we've both just been interested in for a very long time. So I think it was just kind of merging a lot of different aesthetics and then also uh, concepts, themes that we like in a way that we haven't really seen before. Mm. And I, I want to touch on that. One of those things that you said, which was exploring the line between reality and fiction. And that kind of links to another question I was going to ask, because besides like the themes of the show, which is one of my favorite things about the show, another thing that I really like is the world building that you do. And like in Conclair, like there's this, like the fact that there are places that aren't real in our reality, and yet there are places like California, which apparently exist, and 
Camlin's from and all that jazz. Like this sort of line between reality and fiction is definitely a thing that pops up like in the actual world building of the show. So I wanted to know like, what was that process like building this world that is both half in and half out of our own reality? We actually got a great review a while back from someone who had mentioned as like, it was a really great review overall. Like it was, it was super sweet toward the show. We were so happy to receive it. And the one line in it that was a criticism was actually something that we both took as a compliment, which was that um, (laughs) the reviewer mentioned that um, because of the mixing of different place names, like the real ones, like Conclair with fictional settings like Arabella, um, it can be a little bit confusing sometimes to see like what's real in the story and what isn't. And that was pretty much exactly the kind of effect that we were going for it wasn't so much intentional like we want to confuse people but it was definitely like we knew that we wanted to tell a story about the real world and um in a way that is a bit more literal than what you would get in in something like fantasy or something that takes place entirely in a different universe but at the same time we wanted to have the freedom to create these really unique settings and kind of just infuse our own mythology into them. And so the way that it kind of ended up playing out was like, okay, well, why don't we create a fictional country? It's not like the entire universe needs to be fictional, but we can have it so that this one place is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, having uh, the country be fictional, it also gives us the freedom to like have influences from the real world reality without having to really uh, be stuck in certain places. <laughs> and I, I really love that uh, because you get to play with different cultures, different uh, scenery. Um, and historical influences, too, I think. Historical influences like what? Well, I think that <laughs> it's it's hard to talk about without uh, getting into some of the stuff that's coming up in part two. Oh, okay, okay. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, all right. Well, then I'm going to pivot so that you guys don't spoil your upcoming uh, your upcoming part two I, season. Part two. Um, so, so I, I kind of want to talk about the those aspects that we mentioned earlier when it comes to like the themes of the show. Because again, I just think they're they're really cool and it's interesting because like I'm 21, so I grew up with the internet in a very real and tangible way. Real and tangible, the internet. What a juxtaposition. Um, but I grew up with grew up with it like in a very prominent way, and so it's interesting seeing how fan culture is sort of is sort of manifested through the character of Hayden. And it's also interesting that you mentioned that they're autistic because I don't know if I wasn't listening closely, but I didn't pick that up in the show. I just thought they were like a, like a super fan, like it says on the website. So I I wanted to, to ask like, what was your, um, at what point did you realize that this theme about sort of the, sort of the way that fan culture interacts with like our personal lives? Like at what point did you realize that was a theme that you guys were working on and like, how did the exploration of that theme develop during the writing and production of the show? Do you want to answer or should I? Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, Reese and I were also raised on the internet, I think. Me a little bit more than Reese. Um, <laughs> and specifically in fandom, we actually met through fandom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think that we just have this like, really deep intimate knowledge of how fandom has affected our own lives and how it's kind of shaped our own identities and also our relationships and the way that we see the world so it's definitely coming from a place of just kind of personal experience you know um this idea of like how do you think about your different influences like how do you be so invested in something and feel like you know it and also have that thing be sort of the creation of somebody else you know mm-hmm. like Serena said fandom is like so deeply important to us I really don't see especially for like our first work I can't see a scenario where our first thing wouldn't really focus on fandom so much because like it's so important and it's also like it's fun to explore like it doesn't really uh, when I see it 
it's usually done in like a mocking way or it's just like it's played up for jokes and it's like well that's not (laughs) that's silly (laughs) um it's often yeah i feel like we so often see it done in a way that's like overly critical but also like overly celebratory in a way that can be superficial sometimes without really getting into like what that experience is like and what it's like to have such a deep and important part of your identity be shaped by fandom and how that feels like when you're actually in it and not just an observer Mm. yeah yeah Hmm. and the show also makes comments on i mean like one of the big cruxes of the show is hayden's attachment to the writer which is in itself like a, a massive parasocial relationship, which in itself is not is neither a good nor a bad thing. But like a parasocial relationship is sort of a big part of the show. But it's interesting, <laughs> right? Like that the, the entire show is sort of based around this parasocial relationship between Hayden and the writer and Hayden and like even even their own sort of country because like they go to these different places and figure out like the places are not quite what they thought they were. It's so like there's even like a parasocial mm-hmm. relationship to the land. And so I kind of wanted to ask, like, as creators yourselves, especially in the audio drama world, which does focus a lot on from what I've seen, not focus on, but rather the parasocial relationships also play a large part in the audio drama world, if only for the fact that because it's so international and yet we use social media to interact, like there's a lot of that just going on. So I wanted to know, like, how do you navigate parasocial relationships in your own business slash audio drama endeavors? That is such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Honestly, like, it's and it's such a good question because that's honestly something that we're grappling with, like, all the Mm -hmm. time. Like, I genuinely feel like not a month has gone by that we've been involved in audio drama where we aren't constantly thinking about things like relationship boundaries and internet safety, Mm-hmm. And all these different things that are so important when you're working with people remotely and especially when you're building connections remotely. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's hard, you know, like, um, I don't think there's necessarily a right answer. But um, the way I think that what we're learning is kind of like um, to have an open mind and be receptive to building relationships with others but also to um sort of keep in mind like your goals and the nature of the relationship that you're that you feel comfortable having as a professional um as someone who is working in an industry and not just being in a fandom space where it's a bit more casual and deciding like to be like selective about who you maintain relationships with and also about the way that you engage yeah uh I'm a very, very, we both are, um, but big proponents for uh, separating your spaces, um, like, uh, particularly on social media. Um, I think everybody needs a private account on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> don't put all of your stuff out there. Um, that's, like, uh, just personally just gonna call myself out I found myself like putting a little bit too much that I was comfortable out so I was like okay uh stepping away for a little bit I don't use my main twitter as much as I used to and I think that's like a good uh it's a good personal boundary to make but yeah, just curating your curating my space is really important <laughs> mm-hmm like I have a list for like uh podcast accounts and other like news sources and things where I'm not necessarily following them but they are there like it's just yeah it's really about curation <laughs> and I think it's so interesting to think about how that works on the internet right because like in in real life I feel like it's a little bit well not real life like the internet is real life but like you know (laughs) offline um I think it's a little bit easier to kind of um make those mental separations where it's like okay you have the people you go to work with and you might be friends with some of the people that you go to work with but like generally there's an understood difference between being in the workplace and like 
being at a restaurant or being at someone's house, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas on the internet, it's so much less clear because whether you're friends with someone or not, they're still on the same follower list. And so I feel like a lot of people might struggle with this where it's like, okay, my friends are here, so I'm going to post the way that I want to post for my friends. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but a lot of the people that you're working with professional are also here. So maybe this isn't really your friend's space. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so that brings up a question for me. Since you two are friends, and like we're talking about setting boundaries and like all this stuff and like designating this is work, this is this is not work, this is personal business, and this is business business. How do you two as friends navigate this sort of this sort of uh just creating something together (laughs) we actually um (laughs) so we use discord mostly um to talk to each other in general so i feel like we 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 do have our own discord server that we use for a whole bunch of different projects including sign venus but also creative stuff that we're working with i just realized Mm -hmm. i'm like talking a lot (laughs) you want to answer reese (laughs) no i that that works okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so I feel like we're both just naturally kind of drawn to compartmentalizing so what's great about the server that we have is that we can kind of demarcate it like we don't really talk about our work on sign venus outside of the designated area for talking about sign venus um Mm -hmm. other than that like we have our private conversations elsewhere um we are like best friends so our relationship is definitely a lot more casual and with less um barriers I guess you would say than with someone who I'd consider to be uh more strictly someone I have a professional relationship with but even within that very very casual close friendship um we still kind of have our designated spaces so it's like okay, let's not uh, mix work with our, like, super private personal conversations too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, the compartmentalizing is very good. Uh (laughs) All right. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do a slight pivot, and I'm going to ask about the development process for part two, which you have been you, I don't know who runs the Sign Venus account, but which the Sign Venus account has been very open about. Um, so I want to ask, like, you've been very open about the fact that there have been some roadblocks in, like, in the initial development, like things just kept, sort of kept happening. So I want to ask about, like, how have you navigated those to make a work environment that is flexible to all of the people on your cast and crew while still being mindful of the, the various things that um, many of your cast and crew went through uh during the initial process development process for season two i think i phrased that right yeah this past year it's been a mess for everyone (laughs) (laughs) um we lucked out we have the best uh cast and crew ever (laughs) really um yeah it's it's been it's it's been rough um but our cast they're they're so understanding and they also um they have other things happening we uh serena and i talked about this a bit a little while ago and we're just not anybody's like first priority and that gives us so much freedom (laughs) Mm -hmm. it works that we can be extremely flexible we don't have to like a lot of our cast are super busy. They have a lot going on. Um, and it works that we can be really flexible with like recording and rehearsals and getting lines in um, because like there, it's not an added stress, like, like a bad stressor really. Um, and I really love that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we just, we want to take everybody's like physical and mental health uh, that that comes first. I mean, the show the show is important, but our people are so much more important. Serena, would you like to add anything? Sure. Yeah, I think part of it too is just like maintaining communication with people while also recognizing that like you don't want to harass people either when it comes to stuff like this, just because like um, 
the way that we're doing developing the development for part two has been so different than it was for part one. Like when we were doing part one, we had very, very strict deadlines and thankfully we were able to meet all of those deadlines, you know, but, um, Mm -hmm. with everything that's happened in the world, it has just like, besides being really difficult, it also just simply has not been possible to work the same way that we were working on part one. Um, And I'm hoping that uh, once the state of the world has stabilized a little bit, um, we'll be able to move closer to that kind of model again. But I do think that flexibility, being understanding of people's circumstances, like that's always important, regardless of whether there's a global crisis happening or not. Mm -hmm. And just kind of maintaining communication with people, checking in, like, are you feeling okay to work on this right now? And just sort of asking those questions and um, keeping people in the loop and being open about uh, the progress that's being made while also understanding that, like, okay, you don't need to be asking people every single day. You don't want to be harassing anybody. Um, I think that balance is kind of important. You kind of touched on it, and I had a question of my own. But since there was such a distinctive gap between when you guys produced part one and when you guys are producing part two, how has the time provided uh, impacted your process when it comes to the writing, when it comes to the world, when it comes to the characters? Oh God, I'm doing a lot more obsessive editing for better or worse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because now that I have all the time in the world before it was like, okay, obsessive editing for a month, but now it's like obsessive editing for, three months and like that's not the best thing no Mm -hmm. I have to bully her into (laughs) putting it down but I will say that it (laughs) is nice being able to like put something down for like two weeks and then come back to it and see how it reads different and stuff um it's it's nice having that time and also just kind of um getting more chances to just kind of pour over the themes and the characterization and to think like, okay, is this serving the end game well? And being in communication with actors about like, okay, at this point in the script, this is where your character is at mentally. Which like we were doing that before, but um, we're able to do it with like a depth that we weren't necessarily able to do it before. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. There's there's <laughs> pros and cons. <laughs> where exactly did that depth come from? In what way? You mentioned how you were able to get depth in a way that you hadn't before. Uh, what what sort of shifted to the point where you could do that? Yeah, I think it's just about being able to have like more conversations about different things. So like we end up having, because there are sort of gra- gaps, we might um, visit a scene once and then we'll end up coming back to it like two weeks later, three weeks later. Um, and so each time like, when you've had that kind of time to not just be away from the script, but also to kind of grow a little bit as a person, it's like the next time you see it, you come to it with these new ideas that you didn't necessarily have when it was originally conceptualized or when it was originally written. So I think it just gives you a chance to put like a new spin on things um, and to develop concepts more than they might have been developed had you done it in two weeks, you know? I see. Okay, I understand. Thank you. Um, one thing that I did also want to ask about, Reese mentioned earlier how you guys record a- uh, asynchronously. So I wanted to know, because personally, as a-, a person with the background in theater, that's not my vibe. And and I like to record things all at once. So I wanted to know, like, what are the, what is your process like for recording asynchronously? And like, why do you like it? And, and why does it work for you? Should I go or... Um, I, I have a little bit. Uh, you probably have more. Um, Go for it. <laughs> doing it a, 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 uh, asynchronously. I really like it personally um, because we get like uh, a chance to really direct and go into like, I mean, you can direct with multiple people, but like you can really get into it um, mm-hmm. with the actor. Like you can talk about like where the characters coming from in depth and discuss like different ways that they could do it and 
it you know you can really really get into it and also uh everybody's busy so scheduling can be a complete nightmare (laughs) um we do do (laughs) rehearsals when we can with as many actors as we can um and then we just read the parts for people who weren't able to come (laughs) but yeah so we tried to get as many people for rehearsals as possible but when it's actually like recording it's just it just works better to get everybody to just do it one-on-one um or two-on-one whatever (laughs) (laughs) and yeah I just I like it it's like a little bit more intimate um I am weird about things where I don't like mentioning something if I feel like it's going to take like take time away um and so uh it works for me personally um just having like the one person like we're focused on the same thing nobody's focused on something else you know it it just works (laughs) okay Um, yeah okay it also yeah it also depends a little bit on the individual actor so we're working with people who have a variety of different processes and ways that they like to do things which Mm. is cool um but it also means that like on an actor by actor basis we aren't generally doing things the exact same way with everybody so for example we have um one actor who likes to sort of go one line at a time until they like the way that line sounds and then move on to the next line And so if we were to record synchronously, they wouldn't have the chance to do that. Um, And it also, like, if someone has, like, a visual processing disorder, for example, um, it can be just kind of difficult to record synchronously because you have to be going so quickly and it might take a few tries to get the same line. Um, So it it meets an accessibility need. um, And it also just lets us kind of have different people work through their processes. Some other actors would prefer a more um, synchronous environment. So um, in one case, we actually did do a synchronous recording with two of our actors because both of them um, had expressed that they were interested in doing that and those were the only two characters in the scene. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, for actors who do prefer that method, generally Reese and I will read for the other characters who are in the scene. Um, and we'll just kind of run through the script that way. Okay. All right. Interesting. I had I hadn't considered the um the accessibility <laughs> angle, so I'm glad to glad to not know more about it. Um, <laughs> one thing I also wanted to ask was, or one thing that I saw and I wanted to ask about was that on March 12th, Sign Venus launched a March 12th, 2021. Uh, but Sign Venus launched a blog for Hayden and an Instagram for Cameron. Uh, and I wanted to ask like. Do you plan to use more of this? One, two questions. Okay. So first question, how do you plan to like use these sort of multimedia elements to further inform your story? Second question, what are your thoughts on multimedia creation like this? And like, how do you want to develop it more in the future for this project or other projects? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I absolutely love multimedia uh, projects. It definitely one of my favorite things. I love just the level of immersion you get. Um, yeah, we we had the idea for uh, Hayden's blog and Cam's Instagram for quite a while, <laughs> um, and it's been it, it's always been one of the things I've been most mm. excited about because you know Hayden has their blog in canon um and it's you it, it's referenced a lot and i it's just very exciting having it there um it started off it was just going to be like the blog for uh for the trip and it evolved into like just a personal blog that also has uh the blog posts um and I just, I love that because it gives you more of a perspective um, into, like, their personality, their interests, uh, their aesthetic. <laughs> um, 
Um, and same with Cam and with Cam, uh, his Instagram. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, there are uh, several posts, and it's just it's so cool. I I I'm very excited about it. Um, we're going to continue uh, um, posting to it uh, for the remainder of, of posting to both of them for the remainder of the show. Um, and it, it's just so exciting. All right. <laughs> well, we both used to, uh, role play, like, uh, text role play. And it feels like, a, like, a nod to that, which, like, that was a really formative experience. I did that for, like, a long time. <laughs> um, that was my main form of writing and my main engagement with fandom. So it's really fun having, like, these in-character spaces for um Hayden and Cameron and I just <laughs> I love it <laughs> okay all right that's wonderful I, I I think your enthusiasm really comes through like when you're looking at the blog so when you're looking at the Instagram especially the Instagram which you can tell is like like from the captions like the actual art which is I'm pretty sure provided by Serena your sister um yeah that's my sister's art she's at Shiggy Nope on Twitter and she is just a really talented marvelous artist and um she had basically come up with some concepts for she was really like her favorite character is Cameron by mm. far and so she had just kind of been doodling a concept for him because she felt like it and we were like oh my god we love that and then um she had offered to do a little bit of art for the show. And so we were really excited about that. We love working with her. We have some creative projects that we're doing with her as well. Um, so it was really nice to be able to loop her into Sign Venus. Yeah. I love her art so much. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is question one, but question two, and since like you're, you're clearly very passionate about it, how would you like to sort of incorporate multimedia creation into not even just necessarily just this project but like into your future works as well oh <laughs> ah that's such a good question um i don't really have a good answer for it just like yes and more <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely something that we want to keep doing we have a few um we have ideas specific to other projects, but even for Sign Venus as well, there's a few different things that we want to be able to do in the future if we can. Um, so I'm just gonna, like one of the things that we want to do at some point is we want to do like a little recipe book. Um, oh. And so, yeah. And so that's just like a little idea that we have that we're hoping that we'll be able to do if we have the resources to do that in the future. But um I think it's just like going back to what you said earlier about world building. Like, I think that when you have that multimedia angle, it gives you the opportunity to do so much world building that you don't necessarily um, get to do just with the one medium. Um, it allows you to expand and get creative in different ways. Um, and I know that we're both fans of multimedia projects and other media that we're interested in, like, um, I love Dragon Age, for example, which is a video game series, but there's also mm -hmm. like novels that go with it. And then um, concept art books that include things like, um, even within the game, like they have a codex system, which is basically lore written from the perspective of people who live in the world of the game. And so I've always just thought stuff like that was really neat. And I love how it allows you um, insight into the world, but not necessarily in a quote unquote objective way. Like it stays subjective and in the realm of characters. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's just something really neat that we're big fans of and definitely want to keep doing. Yeah. A lot of things that I love. Um, one of my favorite video game series, Bioshock, um, for the, uh, before the unfortunate third game came out, <laughs> they had, um, and ARG, an alternate reality game, um, in it, and a lot of video games uh, tend to do like real world, like scavenger hunts or um, ARGs uh, to promote their upcoming games, and I just, I absolutely love that. Um, 
And uh, video games, uh, since um, a couple of our favorite things are video games, um, like our favorite pieces of media, that tends to come up like uh, when we're trying to think of ideas and stuff mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so it makes sense <laughs> that we would want to bring in uh, the multimedia angle um, because like it's just it's always there <laughs> in other things that we love. I feel like it says a lot about both of us that neither of us are really like big fans of Harry Styles per se. But when he did that weird thing where he was leaving ads all over the place for like travel to some country that didn't exist, we were like, whoa, (laughs) Harry Styles is cool. (laughs) (laughs) I was so jealous when he was doing that, like with the travel ads and everything. It's like, why didn't we think of this? Why didn't we make accounts for uh, towns and Conclair? Why didn't we like do like an ARG sort of thing uh thankfully we can use the defense that it wouldn't work because tourism doesn't exist there yeah but still <laughs> no yeah <laughs> okay well I'm that actually so <laughs> that that actually provides a slick transition into another question that I wanted to ask so again because the world building is so tight and there's so much that can be explored in it right I, I want to know, like, once the story of Hayden and Cameron, once that's done, once the quest for the writer is complete, do you have any intention of continue, continuing to write stories that exist within this world? I think we have, like, discussed, like, small things, possibly. Uh, don't want to give much away for possible plans. Um, but I don't think we we have any plans for, like, a mainline sort of thing. Yeah, I think if we did anything else with Conclair, it would be, like, bonus content for Signed Venus. Um, At the mm-hmm. moment, we don't have any further plans for independent stories within this world, but who knows? Maybe we'll want to revisit it in, like, ten years. Okay. Ten <laughs> yeah, years. Maybe. Ooh. Okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> anything could happen. Anything can happen. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful world full of full of possibility. Um, one thing that I also wanted to ask, this isn't, this isn't even really about Sign Venus as much as it's sort of something that I saw in the account that I thought was, uh, very interesting. And I wanted to ask you about it, especially since, um, no, I just wanted to ask you about it. So a few months ago when, uh, uh, when Israel was attacking Palestine, right? Um, you, the, the account put out also, sorry for the tonal shift. There was absolutely no preparation for for where i was going with this (laughs) but but uh but yeah a few months ago uh during the the sieges against palestine uh the sign venus account started a hashtag called hashtag podcast against apartheid so i wanted to ask you about what spurred that what you hope it will do and now that even though the abuses haven't stopped but a lot of western eyes have moved off of it for the time being i wanted to ask like what do you still what what intentions do you still have for the for the hashtag and 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 so on? Yeah, um, so I'm I'm Palestinian, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and so obviously these are issues that are just super super close to my heart. Um, and in recent months, I've become more um, more involved in local organizing than I had been before. Um, and one thing that happened in my city is that uh, this really fast, this really fantastic company called Reimagine Co. declared itself to be an apartheid-free zone. Um, Apartheid-free zone is a term that comes from the BDS movement, the Boycott, Divestment, and uh, Sanctions Movement for Palestine. And basically, um, what an apartheid-free zone is, is that it's... um, it's a versatile term. So it could be like a community center. It could be a business. It could be a group. Um, any sort of thing that has a bit of an organizational structure, really, that declares itself to um, basically be in support of BDS principles. So what that means is things like not using uh, products that were made on Israeli settlements. Um and generally just uh, committing um, not to 
work with uh, any kinds of efforts or people that support Israel. So I was really inspired by that. I thought that was a really awesome effort by Reimagine Co. And I was trying to think like, okay, how can I, how can we implement the concept of an apartheid free zone in our own spaces? So that, that was kind of what, when I was like, okay, well, the main thing that I'm working on right now is this podcast, Sign Venus. And so um, I think what's really important to me about the concept of an apartheid free zone is that, as you said, uh, focus has kind of shifted away from Palestine for the moment, which is natural. Like, there's no injustice in the world that everyone is going to be paying attention to all the time. Like, it just isn't possible. But what I think um, taking a pledge to BDS principles does is that it keeps Palestine on your mind at least once in a while. Every time you want to start something new, you have to kind of do a little bit of research in order to honor that commitment, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that was why it was really important for me to kind of start this initiative in the space that I'm in, in the audio drama space, in the podcasting space. We wanted it to be a bit broader um, and not just be limited to audio drama. So that's why we use the hashtag podcast against apartheid and we basically um just translated the apartheid free zone um framework to uh individual podcasts um in the hopes that more people would take this pledge keep palestine in their minds um and support in the way the activists are asking us to support them all right uh thank you thank you for sharing about that um, so we're coming to the end of the interview. Thank you for asking. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, yeah, it was something that you were very clearly passionate about for obvious reasons. Uh, so I just wanted to, yeah, but, um, <laughs> but so we're coming to the end of the interview. Uh, it's been lovely having you, but we have about three questions left. Three and a half, two and a half. Okay. So first questions first. Um, uh, I invited you here. You're a podcast that I like. And one good turn deserves another. So can you give us some recommendations for podcasts that you like? Um, okay, yeah. Um, so one of my very favorite podcasts right now and in general, and I think about it constantly, even though I first listened to it like a while back, um, is uh The One Stars. Oh um, yes. Some good point. Yeah. Oh my god. It's oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's so funny and it's so funny and, um, it's so cool and it's brilliant and the writing is just wonderful and I think about it all the time. (laughs) Um, I, I just, I love it. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think, um... One show that I really admire right now is Oz9, which is like, it's a comedy about um, about some people on a spaceship who are very bad at their jobs. And it is hilarious. Like, honestly, I would, like, if I had to pick, like, what I think the quintessence of comedy is, I'd say Oz9, because it is just so consistently funny all the time. And I don't know how they do that. And I wish I could do that. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. So we got Oz9, we got the one stars, we've got some some uh number entitled podcast recommendations. Add them to the list. Got it. Okay. So before <laughs> so before so this is our last question, essentially. So, Reese, Serena, you guys are doing really cool stuff. Like uh like this entire podcast is this entire interview's been about. Like you guys are creating a really neat, unique show that like combines so many interesting tonal elements. Uh, like, it's just, it's a really good, it's a good listen. And so, like, it's a altogether a good Aww. piece of art. You're making, you're making more stuff in the future. You're coming out with part two. Uh, you're coming out with part two soon. So, like, as you're just sort of climbing your way up your, this own artistic ladder, I want to ask you both, how will you guys know when you've made it? Ooh. <laughs> My answer is very silly and very simple. Um, when we've made a video game. Okay. <laughs> I I've been fixated on the idea of going into game development for years 
and it's never seemed more like a reality than it does now. Um, and I, I just want to make a game. I want to make multiple games, but I'll be happy if I just get one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's very simple. <laughs> All right. Making a video game is Reese's benchmark for making it. I got that's pretty dope. Video games are cool. Yeah, I love that for you. <laughs> oh man, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I'm not sure how to answer it because I feel like, um, I, I feel like art is such an ongoing thing for me that it's like, in some ways, I feel like I've already kind of made it now because, like five years ago I was like I'm never gonna write original fiction like that was just something I had no interest in Mm -hmm. and so moving into this and creating something and putting it out there and putting my name on it like that's a pretty big deal for me um and I know that I just want to keep making more things and keep putting work out there so I don't know I'm not sure if there's like one defining thing I just want to keep doing this for until I get bored. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Video games, and I've already made it, and I want to keep doing it. All right. Wonderful. Uh, so can you tell the people <laughs> where they can find y'all and your work? Yep. So uh, Signed Venus, uh, you can find it um, at our website, signedvenus.com. Um, we're on, you know, every major podcatcher, uh, Spotify, iTunes, all, all that jazz <laughs> um and uh me personally uh you can find me on twitter at um exalexic um i also make uh soaps and candles with a pop culture twist over at pyramore um which you can find on etsy we're also signed venus on twitter instagram tumblr my personal handle is 11 verses so 11 spell l-e-l-e-v-e-n on twitter thank you for listening to episode 8 of on the way season 3 on the way was created hosted and edited by me jade madison scott the theme was composed by bajo alvarado and the logo was created by Michael Corey. if you'd like to help us continue to make podcasts like on the way or our other show retribution you can support us on patreon for as little as one dollar a month in addition to helping us pay for crew and overhead, you'd also gain early access to episodes and exclusive content. You can find the link on our website, wgcproductions.com, and you can also show some love by following us at With Good Co on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and telling your friends about us. Next week, we'll be talking to actor B. Nard. As always, I appreciate you for listening, and please take care of yourselves and each other.